Broadcasting from Alito to Alton, from Champaign to Chicago, and from Robinson to Rockford, this is the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com. Here it is, final show of the year of our Lord 2022. Larry Smith, Mike Hagley, Brad Sturdy. It is the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com. Uh, just the best website anywhere. At least we think so. Um, lots of stuff happening right now. A lot of Illini sports to talk about. Uh, men's basketball coming back. Um, we'll try to get a little women's news as well. Uh, but obviously the big story is the bowl game. Illinois playing in January at a bowl for the first time in more than a decade. We'll have a report from Tampa out of the ReliaQuest Bowl. Illinois 8-4 and four, taking on the 22nd ranked Mississippi State Bulldogs. Uh, gentlemen, let's let's start with a little football right now. And um, this news came out officially. We knew this was probably going to happen right after uh, we put last week's show to bed. Chase Brown, the All-American, one of the greatest running backs in Illinois history, uh, making it official that he will not return next year and go to the NFL. And I'll, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm all for this. I think it's the right move. Yeah, I agree. I mean, especially when you're a running back because your shelf life is so short. Um, you, you don't get an opportunity to have a long career and you're trying to get that second contract. And so if he, he gets one year closer to that, and you know, even if you're going to make a little bit more, maybe an NIL money as a, as a college player next year, it's he, he's, he's going to be a guy who gets drafted maybe in the third, fourth, fifth round, somewhere in there, he'll get a chance to stick in the NFL, make a minimum salary, which is, you know, what, $600,000 next year, I think. It's a pretty good deal to get towards that second contract. Yeah, and and it's a ticking time bomb for these running backs. You know, the vast majority don't get a big contract for their second um, time through, and there's a certain shelf life on the number of hits that the human body can take. So I was very uh, happy that Chase decided to go to the NFL. I'd love to see him playing for the Cowboys next year as they get rid of Zeke Elliott and his overpriced contract. So Chase, we would love to see you with a star on your helmet. And we don't want to see you in a Raiders jersey because no one wants to be seen in a Raiders jersey. Chase, when Mike says we, he means I, as in himself. Just going to clear that up. You know, I'll be honest, guys. I I was, and and boy, I know that people are going to throw things uh, at me when they see me. I, I was hopeful when, when there was some talk that he might take the NIL money and stay in school. I was selfishly, of course, would love to see him play. I mean, I think he just, he's just the work ethic to what he's done. It just epitomizes what this program has become in a very short amount of time. But I was, I was concerned. I, I, deep down, I was kind of hoping he would not do that and would do this instead, to your point, get on to the next level and begin to build that, um, that career, as you mentioned. And how about the other two guys that, you know, one doesn't get as much attention as he should, but both All-Americans in their own right. Uh, Devin Witherspoon, the All-American defensive back. He's still up for the Jim Thorpe Award. They'll be announced in February as a top DB in the country. And then Chase's twin brother, Sidney, um, had the fantastic final game against Northwestern. People clearly remember that because he got some uh, honorable mention, All-American uh, mention as well. How cool for the Brown family, both uh, young men getting All-American mentions. Um Disappointed they're not playing, but I think it just, again, to me, it shows what this program has done in a very short amount of time. And these are not five-star, four-star guys. These were lower-rated guys coming out of high school who, through hard work, became uh, among the best in the nation. 
Yeah, it's a testament to player development at Illinois. Um, they did a fantastic job of getting these guys ready to play. And I also think Illinois fans aren't used to this. Like, they haven't had guys opt out of bowl games before because they their, their bowl games like in the middle of December when they ever ever gone. You know what I mean? So, it, and they're like six and five and six and six are really excited. This is like a different type of deal. You're on a January 2nd bowl game, and these guys are like, these guys are NFL prospects and they have an opportunity. They get to kind of protect themselves. And this is what big time football programs are. They don't make the playoff guys opt out of bowl games. I mean, that's just the way it is. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong and they probably need to incentivize it differently, but at the same time, this is the norm. And it, but it's, these guys have done a fantastic job of developing themselves. Devin Witherspoon was a no star guy coming out of nowhere and he's become one of the best corners in the country. I think he's the number one rated cover corner in the country, according to uh, Pro Football Focus. So there you go. Yeah, we've seen Devin uh, as high as going into the first, you know, early in the – actually higher up in the first round. Um, so there's a good chance of seeing his name called on the first evening, which would be fantastic for him, fantastic for his family and all the people who've supported him over the years, and great for the Illini on the recruiting trail. So – um, you know, the good there. And, and at the Sydney Browns, another player that um, has proved himself time and time again uh, on the football field. So kudos to them. And, and I can, t- I can understand why they make the decision and it'd be nice to have more Illini in that, in that decision-making mode. And, you know, the more we get, the, the higher the chance of maybe a college football playoff being in front of them, as opposed to a bowl game. Yeah, as we said, this is a really uncharted waters. We don't see this very often. Three All-American, three Illini All-Americans uh, opting to not to play in an Illinois January Bowl. Um, I, I think that's like never that that's happened before. More on that game coming up. Matt Stevens is in Tampa. We'll check in with him. And uh, we'll also hear from the Mississippi State Insider. Mike did a great podcast this week on Eye on the Illini. And we'll, so we'll hear the Bulldogs' perspective heading into the game in Tampa. Another big story. Um, so Illinois, first time in more than a decade, they play in a uh, January bowl game. First time all season, the Illini men's basketball team is not ranked in the Associated Press poll, uh, dropping after the uh, debacle um, against Missouri in the Bragging Rights game. And now, guys, looking ahead to uh, to the Big Ten. Um, uh, your, your thoughts as uh, Illinois heads into 2023. Yeah, it's uh, obviously not what it was expected after that Texas win. You know, you thought they'd have a better uh, end of the year. It looked really good at that point. And then since then, they've struggled a little bit. Um, even in their win against Alabama A&M, they struggled a little bit. So, yeah, I, there's a lot of things they need to figure out. And, and I think they will. It's just a, it's going to take some time. They don't have maybe some leadership there. They got a lot of freshmen they're relying on. I think they're, you know, six freshmen makes it tough. Um, and, and then not a lot, even then some of the older guys are new. So, and one of their guys who were supposed to be their leader is out. So this is a team that's still in flux, still growing, still learning. And we're going to find a lot out about them when they go to Northwestern on January 4th. I think that is going to be a really important game to see where Illinois is at, where they've been able to put this, the Missouri debacle behind them. Yeah. I mean, look, got a lot of newcomers on this team. And this is a great opportunity for Coach Underwood to do what he loves, which is coach basketball. And the high expectations of Illini fans just means that uh, there's a lot of talent on the team. So if I'm a coach, I'd much rather have a highly talented team that I'm trying to put together as opposed to a mishmash of parts that don't fit together, which is what we've seen 
maybe in past coaches. It's been a great championship run for Brett Underwood and this uh, entire Illini program. Big Ten tournament champs two years ago, co-Big Ten regular season champs last March. What will they do to follow up now with an entirely different cast? The drama lies ahead. We'll talk more about that on our basketball roundtable coming up here in the next half hour. Right now, Brett Bielema is the man. What a job he has done in year two after a year of heartbreak and loss personally. It's all right here on the Sports Spectacular. Slow down, they say. You're getting older. Relax. Seriously, you're on a mission. You've got places to go, grandkids to see. At OSF Healthcare, we want you to be the best you possible. Whoever you are, wherever you're going, whatever your mission is, we're here to support it. Because that's our mission. Your life, our mission. Learn more at osfhealthcare.org slash your way. Hi, this is Larry Smith, proud native of Central Illinois. It's been an honor to have reported on the world's biggest sporting events for the past three decades. And as a lifelong Illini fan, it's a privilege to now be with IlliniGuys.com. My friends and I put this together with one goal in mind, to have the best Illini-centric website around. Great features, podcasts, insider stuff. I know a little something about telling athlete stories, and these guys know a lot about the Illini. It's a perfect match. Come over and check it out. IlliniGuys.com. This segment presented by Busey Bank, proud sponsor of the Fighting Illini and of this program as well. Larry, Mike, and Brad here as we're talking uh, Illini football now. Uh, Illinois down at the ReliQuest Bowl in Tampa. Uh, Brad Sturdy, right after the show, is going to pack his bags and head down there as well. And uh, so he'll rub that in, I'm sure, the rest of the hour. Um, but anyway, you know, the, one of the big stories uh, this week as we talk about this, um, by the way, we're going to hear from Brett Bielema uh, uh, you know, later on. Um, right now, though, it's Tommy DeVito. One of the many storylines here, uh, the, the star quarterback here playing his final season for the Illini and, and confirming this week that this will be his last game in an orange-blue uniform, even though there was uh, some speculation that possibly he might return in 2023. I think DeVito had a great season for Illinois. He was exactly what the doctor ordered for this program, coming in on a team that had a chance to win if they could solidify the quarterback position. I think they're in a similar position this offseason now with him not returning. They need to solidify that quarterback room um, and get that QB1. And, and I think there are some other holes to fill as well. But I think QB1 is the most important position on the field, and that's why they have to find a guy to replace DeVito. I think DeVito, you know, he, he may go out with a, a big game in the bowl game, but he's just a kid who has been so solid. I mean, his numbers are so efficient at Illinois, and, um, yeah, it's a very impressive year for him. Yeah, and I think the unspoken thing is how Barry Lunny Jr. incorporated a, um, a quarterback coming in to this new offense and got – well, Tommy's best year of production. And if I was a quarterback in the transfer portal, I would be looking for an offensive coordinator who could make me look good right away. And I think Barry Lenny Jr. hasn't gotten enough credit for what he and DeVito uh, did together to give the Illini solid quarterbacking in the 2022 season. Yeah, to your point, I think that, um, you know, like you said, he just didn't get the, you know, the the respect that he that he should have. Uh, DeVito, um, you know, completed almost 70% of his passes, uh, 15 touchdowns, only four interceptions. And I think the big thing that, you know, we talked about back at the onset of the season um, was not just, um, um, you know, making big plays, but um, avoiding mistakes. And that's one thing that DeVito gave you throughout 
quarterback rating of 142, uh, just really had a what an outstanding year, uh, almost 2,400 yards passing. And he now says after this game, he'll get ready to enter the NFL draft and see, um, you know, what the NFL scouts see about him and if he can latch on with the team here uh, this spring. Uh, here's more on DeVito talking this week on the beach in Tampa to the media. Um, and he says there was uh, no doubt that he was going to play this game. Yeah, for me, there was no question. I was 100% playing. You know, I mean, unless the whole entire O-line opted out, that might have been the only time where I've been like, well, Coach B, what are we doing? But besides that, I mean, I was playing the whole way. I've been excited for it. You know, we've had obviously some downtime. Coach has given us time to just relax, decompress from a long season. So now just getting everything fired back up, knocking a little bit of the Christmas rust off, all the food that everyone's been eating and getting ready to play here in a couple days. They always talk about from a health standpoint, you're probably as healthy as you've been all year. Do you feel that way with your body and everything? Yes, sir. Yeah. I mean, this is the healthiest I've felt after a season, you know, ever. So thanks to the O-line running backs play call and everything that goes into that. But, um, yeah, I'm just blessed and thankful to be healthy going into this game and getting ready to play. What did you expect coming into this year's time? I expected just to have fun for myself. Like, personal goals, just myself, just to play football. You know, you never know what game's going to be your last. Obviously, I've had, I've had injuries in the past, and, you know, you don't want to take anything for granted. So if we just do that and just try to help the team just win as many games as possible, obviously that's everyone's goal. But as a quarterback, you know, that's the only thing that really matters. How will you look back at this year, though? Yeah, it was, it was more. I mean, obviously you want to go to the Big Ten Championship, play all that. But I mean, with that all apart, I mean, this team and everything that they've embraced me with when I first got here, and going from the transport, you know, transport is a big risk. Obviously, there's a lot of things coming out of it, but you know, just the way that everything rolled out, you know, I couldn't ask for a better ending. What are your plans after January second? You know, will you, will you go back to Jersey, work with Leon? Is that is that the plan, or no? So for the draft? yeah, I'm going to be staying out here in Florida. And I'm going to train down here and, you know, do all my draft training and all that stuff down here. So be able to stay in the sun a little bit longer. Maybe I'll get my tan back. And, no, I'm looking forward to it. But, you know, one thing at a time, handle this game, end it up the right way. What, uh, I mean, this is it, right, for you? Um, is, this, is this the last game here at Illinois? Yes, sir. Yeah. So yeah. would you have wanted to come back another year? Is that something you would have been interested in? Yeah. 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 Why? Hey, just more football, you know? I mean, with the team, with people that are coming back, obviously we have some guys that left, but just with the team that's here, everything's established, just second year in the offense is like the biggest difference, you know? I mean, you know, we've done a lot of talk over it just because we didn't know if it was, it was kind of like here with it for a while. You know, just talks about, you know, examples for UTSA, the jumps from year one to year two, you know, people getting familiar with it, how much the off season will be better, how much the summer will be better, just knowing the offense for a whole year and playing in it makes all the difference. So it would just been able to skyrocket on the offensive side of the ball. But obviously things didn't work out for that. You know, there's other plans set in stone. So I know I'm just looking forward to my next opportunity. What was the process like to go through the <laughs> It was hectic. I don't know if Coach wants me talking about the whole thing, but I mean, there was highs and lows at first. It was kind of like, probably not. A couple weeks later, it was like, we're about 90% right now. And then all of a sudden it was like, cut. I was like, oh. That's what it is. So, you know, I'm just rolling with the punches, you know, and coach has done a great job just trying to keep everything organized and making sure that, you know, I'm focused week in and week out and him and all the support staff handle that on the outside. What's your game plan in this offense? It's more pro style, right, than you had before. What did you learn this year? Right, how, how to win games, for sure. I think just the X's and O's, just mental aspect of it, like just thinking more on the field. You know, obviously Coach Lunny does an awesome job just letting me go out there and play football, you know, not, not letting us think too much, especially the quarterbacks in the room. Just He wants you to go ball regardless. Whatever your style is, however it is, he's trying to put you in the best situation for that. And I think that's a huge 
you know, plus with him. But um, with Coach B, you know, he's very like a by the book kind of guy, which I respect. You know, I was able to learn from both and really just kind of mesh them together, and that was really big for me. I think that's the exciting thing. You know, it's your last game. You're coming into it. Just go play. Just go ball. Have some fun. You know, it's not like you're playing for a Big Ten West title anymore. Now you're just playing for a bowl game title, which in a couple of years nobody will even remember. So squat, have a little fun, play. I'm sure they're going to have some trick plays, some trickeration there that they can run and some fun action. So I think it's a great time. I think guys should use this bowl game as more of something like that um, than, than maybe looking at it as like a, a business proposition. Yeah, I think it would be great to get let him go free and see what he can do. He's going to have some fun. There's no pressure. Uh, he just wants to go out and win and and uh, look good uh, while he does it. So it should be a fun game for uh, Illini fans on on the uh, January 2nd. Uh, DeVito also says that after the game, he's going to stay in Florida to continue working out. I mean, he's already graduated from college. He's not going to return to class in Champaign uh, in January. He'll stay down there and keep working out. He says also work on his tan as well. Uh, and someone else working on his tan is Matt Stevens. He's the uh, Illini guys football writer and analyst. We will pull him off the beach and away from the Mai Tais uh, and see if he can give us some insider information on just uh, what this team is going through right now. Uh, stay with us here. This segment presented by Busey Bank. We're so thankful for their support as always. This is the Illini guys sports spectacular. We're back with more after this. At Busey Wealth Management, we're proud to partner with individuals, families, and foundations, ensuring possibilities become achievements. From preserving and enhancing your assets to securing your legacy for future generations, we're focused on your success. UC Bank, building business, growing wealth since 1868. Proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini, member FDIC. If you served in the Marine Corps, by now you know about the contaminated water problem at Camp Lejeune. If you were stationed or worked at Camp Lejeune from 1953 to 1987, you probably have a lot of questions. We have some answers. You could be entitled to compensation. Billions of dollars are being allocated to pay for damages to anyone stationed at Camp Lejeune during that time. Unfortunately, it appears that officials may have known the contaminated water problem existed and did little to protect their men. The Semper Fi Code was not honored. If you or someone in your family has developed a serious illness, including various forms of cancer, call this Camp Lejeune legal support line right now. You can't turn back the clock and change what happened, but you can certainly call right now and learn your rights as a Marine. Here's the number. Call 800-254-3218. 800-254-3218. That's 800 254 3218. Paid for by Legal Alert Line. You're listening to the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com on the Illini Guys Radio Network. Now, let's get back to the studio. As we continue here talking bowls, January 2nd, another big one down in Florida. Uh, boy, and for a program that just never gets to say that. Um, Illinois in January, football? Really? No, come on. Uh, it's happened nine times since World War II, but uh, it's been quite a while since it's happened all the way back uh, in the Ron Zook days when they went to the Rose Bowl. Matt Stevens, he's the IlliniGuys.com uh, football writer and analyst. He is in Tampa right as we speak, talking about the big game uh, coming up Monday. It's a 12 p.m. Eastern time kickoff on uh, on ESPN. Mississippi, Mississippi State is the opponent here. And uh, Matt, what's the vibe been like all week? The vibe has been that Matt Stevens has been in shorts for all of his media opportunities oh, for the first time in a few in a few thanks, months. So thanks. Okay, thanks. How's the I team reacting to that, Matt? <laughs> Not, as well as, as 
better than seeing Kent Brown in shorts. That's that's for darn sure. Like, because that's all Kent packed, apparently. Um, no, it's it, the vibe has been pretty good in the sense that I think that the the guys that are now here, we, they finally got a roster of knowing who was going to be here and knowing who wasn't. And it happened about a day before. And once that once that happened and they made the trip, I think it's been kind of a relaxed atmosphere for Illinois. And I, I think it's finally been like a cleansing atmosphere for Mississippi state from what I gathered from their practice. So um, I, I think you're going to see a really competitive football game. I don't know, you know, what it's going to look like from a, from more than like an exhibition type of deal, because Mississippi state's going to be out some of their best athletes, especially their leading wide receiver and Illinois is going to be out everybody that we know is going to be out. So it's just a matter of, I think that if Illinois can, can put together a, a solid game plan and control the clock and play the way they have been, like the way that they, Brett Bielema has designed this whole team to be, to get to eight and four, they can probably get it to nine and four here against the number 22 ranked team in the country. I think they feel like they ha- it's a good matchup for them and, 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 a, and a matchup that they can win. Um, but they have to do some of the fundamental things that got them to eight and four in order to do it. Matt, just kind of look at Illinois. Got a couple guys in the secondary not playing. You know, Devin Witherspoon sure. expected to be a you know top first two round pick, and then of course Sidney Brown, um, the kind of Mister Mister Everything in the second in the safety field. But so, mm-hmm. how do they replace them? And is this somewhat of an audition for next season as well for some of these young guys? Not somewhat, Brad. It is an audition for guys like Xavier Scott and for other redshirt freshmen and freshman Keontae Curry. Um, it's probably going to play a lot of snaps for Sydney for Sydney Brown. Uh, and I think that Xavier Scott, like you saw in the Michigan game, is going to play a lot of snaps for Devin Witherspoon. And you also don't probably ha- not probably you don't have uh, Taz Nicholson. So you're going to see two brand new corners. You're going to see that that you're going to see in the spring game in a few months. And you're going to see in the 2023 season for this defensive secondary that Aaron Henry's had to basically do double time on because Ryan Walters is no longer there. So he's had to take over corners and safeties. Uh, this is this is this is kind of triage for them, um, and this is a showcase for 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 the guys in that 22 recruiting class that are now redshirt freshmen that you haven't seen a whole lot. I, I've said I've mentioned uh, Xavier Scott, but uh, who was actually a blue shirt in that class. But there's there's guys like Tyson Rooks, who's a six foot five corner that nobody's seen before because he hasn't had a whole lot of tick. Um, and, and and there's there's other safeties. Like again, Keontae Curry is a guy that was highly recruited out of that 22 class. He's going to basically play Sidney Brown's role. And then that if you're looking for veteran leadership, Quan Martin's going to play. And so you have to you know basically look at Quan as your veteran leader back there, knowing what everything that they want to do in that secondary, but, but yeah, just like, I think you're going to see it running back. You're going to see a 2023 preview of what you're going to see in that defensive backfield. You know, Matt, Mississippi state has been very good against the run, holding some big uh, running backs to, to some, you know, limited yardage. Uh, how's their defense going to do against the Illini offense? Um, it seemed like they are pretty confident that they can, they can make Illini, uh, struggle to get yards on the ground. Zach Arnett does a really, really good job in his three-three-five of getting guys to run to the football. And it's a real similar way to what Ryan Walters did in his odd man front. But when you do that three-three-five, you have to get that front six and maybe even front seven, all of them to run to the football. And you have to make gang tackles. And they've done a really, really good job of it. 
Um, he's one of the best defensive minds in all of college football. He's now the head coach here at Mississippi State, but I imagine, and I, I have to imagine, he's going to be making the defensive calls. That's going to have to be a team effort from Mississippi State to get Illinois off the field because Illinois is going to want to bully ball them. They're going to want to basically physically dominate them at the point of attack because they feel like from, from an offensive line standpoint and from a running game standpoint, that's where they have to win the football game and they have to stay on the field. But if Illinois is getting off the field on third down and Zach Arnett, which is anytime you, you're, you know, basically the defensive boss for a Mike Leach operation, you know you have to get off the field because Mike Leach might have an 80-second drive coming afterwards. And so you know you're going to be on the field two-thirds of the time. They, they, they get used to that throughout the year. But if Mississippi State's getting off the field on third down, Mike, it's going to be a long day for Illinois. And it's just going to be another indication of SEC speed being able to dominate this game because Zach Arnett's defense is going to have to use its speed and athleticism to get over that, I think, that physical domination that Illinois is counting on on January 2nd. Talking with Matt Stevens of IlliniGuys.com, football writer and analyst, as we look at the Reliant Quest Bowl coming up February 2nd, Illinois, Mississippi State. And Matt, just explain to people because, you know, for Illinois fans, again, this is virtually uncharted waters. I mean, it, you know, bowl games are hard to come by. Nine, ten straight losing seasons before this year under Brett Bielema. Um, talk about the, the dynamic and how unusual this is um, to have a team that's lost their defensive coordinator and uh, at least three All-Americans choosing not to play in this game in terms of, you know, some fans are upset that these guys are leaving. And it's like, listen, you haven't had a bowl game. You haven't had a, <laughs> anything to root for after New Year's. Um, enjoy, enjoy the process. Enjoy the moment. But kind of explain about, you know, again, the nuances, like you said, of auditioning and also still trying to make sure that you, you get the win and get your ninth win of the season. I think, Larry, you're starting to see that these non-playoff bowl games are starting to become like exhibition games and NFL preseason games, quite frankly. I, I have never – I don't care if it was before the transfer portal. I've never bought the idea that these, these uh, uh, you know, whatever transaction happens on January 1st is able to carry over all the way until April when you start spring practice. I've never been a big believer in that. I certainly don't think it's a momentum carrier all the way to fall camp in August. I don't believe in that. Brett Bielema will sell you that all the way down to spring practice. I think that there's something to that in terms of the younger guys getting that, that, that idea of being able to play. I think guys like Xavier Scott, guys like Reggie Love at, at tailback um, and, and, and other positions, you know, Isaiah Williams got something out of 2019 because he played wide receiver in that bowl game in San Francisco. He got something out of that experience. I think there's a lot of guys that are going to get something out of this experience, but I don't necessarily think the result of this game is necessarily predicated on what you're going to see momentum wise in the spring or in 2023. What I think that Illinois fans are frustrated about is, is the first, like you've said, this is the first successful, this is the first January one bowl game they've had since 2007. They wanted to see Chase Brown in this game. They wanted to see Spoon in this game. You know, they, they, they want to see, you know, uh, you know, they want to see a lot of their play, the players that made this eight and four record happen. The fact is, is that we live in an era now where these bowl games are starting to become more and more NFL preseason exhibition types if it's not in a playoff. And I think that the I think that college football as a whole has got to look at this and figure out what we want to do about this, because I think, you know, you're, you're about to see an Iowa Kentucky game where I think you're about to see the second string on both teams play. And I don't know if anybody really wanted to see that. Hey, we got to go. We gotta leave it there. Matt Stevens, a lot of guys.com. Enjoy as obviously you are continue to enjoy. 
uh, your time in Tampa, Illinois, Mississippi State, ReliQuest Bowl, uh, Monday at 12 noon. Take care. Be safe, guys. Appreciate it. All right. That's Matt Stevens right there. Always does great work on IlliniGuys.com. Stay with us. Quick time out, and we'll uh, keep talking about it up next. You're tuned in to the Sports Spectacular on the Illini Guys Radio Network. You're listening to the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com on the Illini Guys Radio Network. Now, let's get back to the studio. This is the Sports Spectacular, Illinois taking on 22nd-ranked Mississippi State on Monday at the ReliQuest Bowl in Tampa. It's an 11 a.m. kickoff on ESPN. Mike caught up with Brian Haydad of Super Talk Mississippi for more on the Bulldog side. This on our Eye on the Illini podcast series. Let's listen in to a part of that. If you have an advantage, obviously State's not going to completely revamp its offensive system in two weeks. Right. But what – and Steve Spurrier Jr. has been named the offensive coordinator for this game. He'll call plays. He's going to call plays differently than Mike Leach does. Nobody called plays like Mike Leach does. Right. So it's going to be a little different look for Illinois, and I, I know that they're missing some of their, their talented guys in the secondary from the opt-outs. So, you know, State this year struggled at times offensively, especially when they would not – when they would just refuse to run the football. If you watch State play this year, when they ran the ball 20-plus times per game, which is a huge number for Mike Leach, they were really successful. And and that's the games where Will Rogers had his best games, Texas A&M, Arkansas, and then, you know, they they played pretty well against Ole Miss. Rogers had some, had some turnovers in that game. But the running game was able to open things up. I think Spurrier is going to want to run the football uh, on, on Illinois and let, let that work its way into opening things up. And w- with the air raid – It's not even about averaging five, six yards a carry, right? It's just about letting teams know we're willing to run the football. We're not going to throw it 65 times. You can't just sit back in zone defense and, and, you know, you're going to have to commit some guys to stop the run and play some man coverage. And when you do that, we're going to get you. We're going to get you with those crossing routes. We're going to go deep to one of our speed guys and and have that. Now, State's missing one of its best receivers in Ra Ra Thomas. He hit the portal. He's already committed to Georgia. They're missing their leading rusher this year, Dylan Johnson. He hit the portal as well, uh, hasn't hasn't made his destination known yet. But State still has a ton of skill position talent uh, available to them in this game. And, of course, they have Will Rogers. So I think that, you know, if they they can hold their emotions in check as best they can, I think that th- they'll be fine. But this is a very good Illinois defense. Even missing these guys and missing Ryan Walters is a talented group, uh, and they're, and they're good. They're a good. They're a good defensive team. So it should be a good chess match between these two guys. It, it's it's funny that there's, you know, uh, basically an interim offensive coordinator and an interim defensive coordinator matching up here. When we thought we were going to get Mike Leach versus Ryan Walters, but it was just not meant to be. Yeah, no that that is that is something that is it, you know you just unfortunately, um, you know there's just there's no way sad things happen. Um, you know, the, the interesting thing is uh, Illini will have uh, Devin Witherspoon and Sidney Brown out uh, on the, the defensive side. On the offensive side, uh, obviously Chase Brown, Sidney's brother, will be out as well. So gives you three opt-outs, but, but pretty significant players. You know, just as an amateur uh, looking at this, um, when we're talking about that uh, Mississippi State offense, to me, one of the keys of the game is can it, the Illinois defensive line, which played extremely well this year, can they handle dealing with the run, you know, by themselves, so to speak? 
if they can, that allows the the defense to do a lot more in the backfield to protect against some of this speed. I'm not certain if Illinois has went up against a uh, uh, raw talent in the in the wide receiver ranks that Mississippi State can throw at them. Yeah, and you know, you look at the Big Ten. Obviously, there's aren't you mentioned Purdue? That's basically it in the Big Ten West for teams that like to throw the football almost at all. Yeah, you know, pretty. Much, Nebraska likes to. They're just not very good. Not at very it. good at it. Yeah. So that that's going to be an issue, you know. But it, the same thing. And when you look at the advanced stats, and you look at stuff like you know, when you break it down by attempt, you can still see that Illinois is still very good uh, against the pass. They just don't face a lot of passes right. because of the conference and the division. That, that, that they play in. The state does have some good speed. Tulu Griffin is, is mainly the main guy there. Rufus Harvey is, is a good – but state has good possession receivers too, guys like Caleb Ducking, Austin Williams. But, you know, they, they have guys who can just, you know, just churn and, and move the chains with those five, six, seven-yard pass re- receptions. Um, as far as the running game goes, you know, what, where state has struggled this year is when defenses can basically do what you were just saying, when they can run a four-man front and contain yep. state offensively on the run game they've had success the the game I thought state was the most out of its depth defensively was against LSU and uh their their defensive coordinator in that game Matt House he threw out a ton of different looks at Rodgers he obviously had some stuff that he they did not had not seen on film coming into the game and it confused them and they they got away from the run state wasn't able to, to 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 hold up against their pass rush but that's LSU. You know, they they are an elite team with elite players. Illinois is a good team with good players. So I don't know that you know. If, but it's those one on one matchups that you have to win. And, and if if you have to bring five or six guys, if you can get there, you'll call state trouble all night. But if you don't get there, then guys are running wide open in the secondary, and that's exactly what the raid wants. They want to create those matchups where they can they can get you out in one-on-ones or they can get somebody open in space and turn a, a seven-yard play into a 20-yard play, into a 30-yard play. So that's going to be key for Illinois, and it's going to be key for Mississippi State to win at, on, on the line of scrimmage. Again, you can hear that entire exchange on the Eye on the Illini podcast. You can find that on the front page of IlliniGuys.com or wherever you download your podcasts. And again, many thanks to Brian Haydad for his perspective on the Mississippi State Bulldogs. We appreciate that. Hoops is up next. The Illini getting ready to jump back into Big Ten play. We'll break it down with our basketball roundtable next on the Sports Spectacular. A tradition of excellence over 150 years in the making. At Busey Bank, we're committed to building relationships that span generations. Wherever your journey in life leads you, we are with you along the way, creating a legacy for you and your family. Busey Bank, building business, growing wealth, since 1868, proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini, member FDIC. All the things that happen during a commercial break, folks. Glad you're with us here in the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com. Uh, this segment presented by OSF Healthcare as we uh, take a look at the basketball season. Big Ten style, Illinois 0-2 going back into Big Ten play after uh, losing at Maryland and the Shocker at home uh, to Penn State in early December. Larry, Mike, Brad with you, joined by Atlanta Guys Director of Recruiting. Kendrick Prince is with us right now. Guys, let's start with um, where do you think this team is right now? I mean, again, you know, going for their 10th win of the season, still trying to break through the win column. Um, you know, Brad, I'll start with you. I know that you've been saying really since last spring and summer listen this seems gonna be really really good they're gonna go through some some growing pains early on 
but it feels like maybe the early success in Vegas, the win over UCLA, um, and then of course the the close game against Virginia, um, maybe change expectations just a bit. And are the fans expecting too much out of this team? Well, I don't know. I don't think that they're expecting too much. I think they're just maybe they got their their uh, hopes were a little bit um, out of whack. We, we said this team was going to struggle early and get better later. The problem is they won a couple games because they do have some physical talent. They have guys like Shannon and Meyer who can really get cooking and score. So when those guys got cooking and score, they were able to win those games against quality teams. Well, if those guys aren't, you know, just lighting it up, then you're going to have a hard time winning unless you're consistent and doing things on the defensive end and making good decisions, things like that. And they aren't doing that yet. They're still playing a lot of the freshmen are playing like freshmen. They haven't made that jump yet and they will. And now you're getting into the big 10 season. Now it's time to kind of make that next step and, and show what they can do. And, and at some point it's going to click this year. I can't tell you when it's going to be, but it's going to click and they're going to turn out to be pretty good. Well, my thought process with it, I mean, I, I think everybody was teased early with the fact that, you know, you had the big wins early and, and, and how fun it was to watch them go out and play and on the big stage and to, they garnished a lot of uh, national media attention. But, you know, if you look back at the, the, um, some of the conversations from the coaches, they told us that this was going to happen. Um, they mentioned the fact that they may take their lumps early, and, but, you know, there's a possibility of them making a run and this team that they, were, they put together um, is called Built for March, I guess. But I do have some concerns. I'm not going to pretend that I don't um, because it would be nice to sit and say they will turn it around. Some of the deficiencies, and especially the Missouri game and how bad that was, I have some major concerns moving forward. And I just know those have to get corrected. You can't go to, through a season in the Big Ten because the scouting becomes so much better and teams are able to take away things that you can do. And we know that that's just the grind of the Big Ten, why coaches like to get out of it. They have to figure some things out. And it starts on the defensive end. I think they lost the Missouri game and that Penn State game strictly because of lack of communication on defense. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you, you know, Larry, I, I think when you look at this team, there's three players who got playing time last year, essentially, that return, and they return a whopping 11.7 points a game. And then the rest is being filled in by transfers who have to learn Underwood's system and freshmen who have to learn everything. And, and so to expect them to be really good is, is a challenge. And I think had they not, had they, you know, not um, instead of maybe had they beat Missouri and Penn state and lost to Texas and UCLA, this team would be in worse position in the NCAA tournament um, rankings, but they would be in a much better place with the people because it's an easier to understand for the fans as to what's going on. And I think they really need to develop uh, somebody to be the leader on the floor. The coach can't do it all. And somebody's got to be able to knock down a shot to stop the streak. And we were very spoiled with Kofi and Io the last three years. Not to mention Trent Frazier as well. And one thing I think, guys, yeah. it hasn't been talked about as much is that, you know, this is an only team that's already played four ranked teams. Um, again, you got to go back to, you know, the Bill self days since that's happened. So while yes, some of the lesser opponents have been 
really, really lesser, like outside the top 300 RPI. You don't see teams playing, uh, you don't see Illinois playing four or five, six games against the that ilk uh, early in the season. The other side of this, though, Brad, is that, again, like you said, you've got a lot of different pieces still trying to learn each other. And yet you played one of the more demanding schedules that Illinois has seen in quite some time. Yeah, no, no question. I mean, you, you look at they played, I think it's six top 50 teams right now. Um, so you played a lot of quality teams. And when you play quality teams, there's always a chance you're going to lose because if you don't have your best stuff. You're going to lose those games. And, you know, sometimes you can lose them badly, as we saw against Missouri and, and Penn State, for that matter. But, you know, I think that you have you're going to see in the Big Ten where they start getting into these games. Underwood's been really good in Big Ten games where it becomes – you know, over the years. And yeah, he's had Iowa, he's had Kofi, but even, you know, the year before, you know, those three years, they really came on strong in the Big Ten. And so last three years, they've been, won more games in the Big Ten than anybody else. Let this guy do his thing and see what he can do. And I think they'll make the adjustments they need to to be successful when it comes to Big Ten play. Well, my thing with the schedule, and I'm, I am, I'm glad you brought this up, is that Illinois has, it's, it's not time to panic. I don't think it's that they're there yet, but I will tell you this. The schedule to me is a concern because when I look at some of the other teams in the Big Ten, every week I turn the TV on, Michigan was playing a ranked opponent. So was Michigan State. You know, um, those teams and Indiana, they went out and did what Illinois did. And so my concern is if those teams, if Illinois can't figure this out, even though they played the, the strength, of, you know, the schedule that they put together, they didn't win some of those games that they we probably know that they should have won losing to Penn State. I I don't even think the Maryland game to lose. I don't think that was a good loss. I don't I, I think they had a chance to win it. So if these other teams are going to be battle tested as well, because they have like the ones that I mentioned, they played a good schedule. So I'll go back to what I said originally. And you know, everybody knows me. I'm an offensive guy, but I'm gonna tell you, I think defense, this team is struggling. They have lost games because their inability to um, defend and Mike did mention back, you know, with some of the freshmen. I have seen a lot of mistakes with the freshmen, and you got to take the good with the bad with some of them. But now it becomes like Brad Underwood said that they're educators, and you know he's got to teach. And now the kids have to listen and to understand because, like we said, in Big Ten play, it's not the same. And those shots that they were getting against some of the weaker opponents, they're not going to be there. Yeah, and I think ultimately when you look at the schedule, you know, there's no easy games in the Big Ten, but, um, you know, Illinois isn't isn't starting off their Big Ten season by playing Purdue. Um, you, know, you know, games like on the road at Northwestern, you know, could be tough games, but um, Illinois has a schedule that's favorable. If they find their footing, they could very well go on a streak and, and not lose – you know, up until they play against Indiana in mid-January. So there's a lot riding on this team coming together and doing the things that the coaches need them to do to be successful. It starts on the defensive end. Talking basketball here on the Basketball Roundtable on the Atlanta Guys Sports Spectacular, this segment presented by OSF Healthcare. Um, and, and to get into that, Illinois finishing December without having one back-to-back games and so that's the monkey on their back as they head into um to the new year 2023 at northwestern on wednesday and then at home against a wisconsin team that on paper a month ago you thought that's probably a win they're right ranked 15th now um they've got to figure some things out great guard um say what you will 
slap him in the face. It doesn't matter. He's going to come out and try to find a way to, to get it done with these guys. Um, what is Illinois? And you got to, and I've already mentioned this already, I think in, in some shape or fashion, but um, what do you have to do? And Brad, I'll start with you again, because you had a great uh, takeaway with your sturdy's uh, takeaways after the Missouri game in terms of uh, a number of things this team could, or perhaps should do uh, to write the ship and, and play up to their potential down the stretch. Yeah, I think with, as you kind of look through this, they have to develop as a as a squad and, and learn to there are a lot of things they can do. But in my opinion, one of the things they have to do is be, make it a little bit simpler for the younger guys, um, I, I think, and allow their talents to kind of, um, I don't know, I guess, take over and allow them put them in situations where they can make plays as opposed to not thinking. I think they're thinking way too much. And that's the first thing. Now, and this is what happens. Again, you've got younger guys who are have not been together against a team like they've opened with Northwestern. Northwestern is a team who is older. They have a backcourt, Boo Booey and, and Chase Adish, who are old, and they've been together. That makes it tough. So you have to really, I think, do a good job of you know, setting this up and, and being a little more simpler, being a little more straightforward. Um, I, I As we call it, like maybe guard the yard type of thing. You know, just guard your guy and – and, and take care of business in that regard. I would like to see more just, I mean, the leadership part of it. I don't, you don't need to see a guy out there like Isle because Isle was a vocal leader. Kofi Lip with his, his play. And I mean, Terrence Shannon, um, you can tell he's a quiet kid. and He's never been in that role, but I think he's good enough of an athlete and the players on the team, all, regardless of what classification they are, they all respect him. But when things are going bad on the court, you see a lot of body language. Body language to me tells a lot, you know, and you look at some of the older guys and they're looking for help and they're looking for answers. They need that guy when they're at the free throw line, not just to be giving high fives and patting each other on, on the behind, making something that's going to be so, you know, to have some substance to it, you know, to, from within the game and what they saw and what they need to do. Um, I'm really curious to see, what they do defensively. I know one of the things that was talked about was how they're going to defend. And, you know, we know that they don't like to defend a lot with Dan Danger, that they'll be able to figure those things out. But over time, they will, they'll get it figured out. Brad Underwood is too good of a coach, and I know it's easy for people to get upset when you lose, but he's too smart of a guy. He's an analytical guy. He'll figure out what's best. And one of the things Brad Sturdy mentioned I was going to say, and I'm glad you mentioned it, Brad, putting the kids in position to where they succeed. And I'll give one example. Anywhere along that baseline, Dan Danger is dangerous. So if I'm getting the ball to him, I'm getting the ball to him on the baseline because he's great. And, I, and I'd run sets and plays for him. I think those things are great to stop bleeding, stop the bleeding when teams are going on runs. And that's with all the kids, not just Dane. He was just an example. Yeah, and I, I would actually vote for that as well. I would like to see a few more sets to get guys the ball where they have confidence, let them, let them score. You know, there are coaches who do more of play calling almost like, you know, NFL style. Um, it might be kind of interesting to build some confidence and then let the guys go after it. And I think simplicity is the key. Um, too many times the guys are having to figure out on their own, make it easy. Like, you know, either take the open three, put the ball on the deck if it isn't open and if somebody guards you, you know, somebody helps out on you, throw the pass to the guy that the help came from. I mean, real, real. And I know they're doing that, but it's just keep keep making it as easy as possible for the player 
to go out and use their skills. All right, guys, put your money where your mouth is right here. Uh, 30 seconds each, two things. Number one, what's the number one personnel change we're going to see from the Illini in the final two months here of the regular season? And number two, what's the Illini final regular season record in Big Ten play? Bradley? So I'm, I'm going to take two personnel things. I think Sincere Harris is going to play more. I think you're going to see him get more minutes down the road. I think Luke Goody's coming back also is going to be an important addition because of his ability to space the floor and actually make an open shot, something Illinois has struggled with. So uh, I'm going to, th- I think they're, you know, originally I had thought they had a chance to win. I think they're more going to be like a 12 and eight record in the big 10 is, is maybe uh, my prediction. Um, and so, you know, that would, you know, which is a you know, solid record. I think that would be 21 and 10 um, coming off season when you lost another all American and five, you know, what top you know, five of your top six or whatever. So, yeah, I, I think that's probably more likely right now. Um, I could see a, I see a path to him getting to 14 wins. Um, but you know, that'd be probably be the top, but I could also see them be 10 and 10, but I'm going to go 12 and eight. Well, that kind of stole my thunder, and I'm sure it's going to be some of Mike's as well. I, I just – Sincere Harris has to be on the floor. I mean, the guy literally changes the game without scoring. I mean, when was the last time you seen anybody at Illinois play defense and, and run the floor the way he does to change a game? The Luke Goody one, I'm not sold on. I know coming back from an injury like that is tough because, yeah, you can shoot free throws and do all those things, but it's going to take him a while to get back in the game form. What I would like to see is uh, Jay Neps become more consistently on the defensive end of the floor. I, I think they put some time in with him to work with that because they obviously believe that he can score. Their wins and losses, um, I can see 12 to 14 wins only because their schedule. I kind of agree with what, what Mike um, Kegley had to say. Um, the schedule plays an important part of it. And I think Illinois has a favorable schedule doing down the stretch. So I, I, I like that part of it. So that should give them an opportunity to at least win two more games. I think. Yeah. And, and I think we all agree. Sincere Harris is the key to at least being spark plug. I think you're going to have to do a little bit of defense uh, first to get the intensity and get, let players know that's what gets them on a court. Um, I also think if I was going to pick, I would say 12 and 8, 13 and 7 um, is where I would pick this team. But that is going to require that they gel uh, quite a bit more than what we've seen in the last, uh, you know, two weeks. Great points. Tough to, tough to say. I'd say 12 wins, 12 and 8 um, feels about right right now. But uh, I agree with Brad. This Boy, it, if they don't pick things up. I mean, it could be 10 and 10 in a hurry and scramble to get to 10 and 10. And, um, you know, I think again, like you said, to me, since they're Harris, uh, even going back to the Penn state game, it's what Underwood has said. He's the one guy who brings it every single night. And Brad, I think you mentioned it in your, your Missouri recap, you know, if, if he can play 30 minutes, you got to have him on the court. I mean, it's just, and figure it out. The other four guys, are you going to do it? So, Hey guys, there it is next Wednesday, Illinois at Northwestern as they resume big 10 play. still looking for their first big 10 win. Uh, of this season. Kendrick Prince, Director of Recruiting, thanks so much. We'll talk to you next week. Stay with us. Much more to come after this. You're tuned in to the Sports Spectacular on the Illini Guys Radio Network. Slow down, they say. You're getting older. Relax. Seriously, you're on a mission. You've got places to go, grandkids to see. 
At OSF Healthcare, we want you to be the best you possible, whoever you are, wherever you're going, whatever your mission is. We're here to support it because that's our mission. Your life, our mission. Learn more at osfhealthcare.org slash your way. You're listening to the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com on the Illini Guys radio network. Now, let's get back to the studio. Looking around the sports world, and uh, boy, just a crazy scene Wednesday night in the NBA. Brad, you were telling us about this, and uh, we've been talking about it again. That you, you can't let stuff like this happen. No, you can't. I mean, obviously, I think Wagner gave the guy a little hip check, and then, but you know, he goes into the bench, and we have a collision, and then, but the guy coming from behind and hitting him in the back of the head—that's illegal in the UFC. So, if it's illegal in the UFC to punch a guy in the back of the head, you probably shouldn't be doing that in an NBA game. They need to press charges. The guy needs to get, I mean, this is the kind of stuff. I mean, I'm all for, you know, I, I'm one of those guys. I mean, I'm, I'm the, you know, we're square up. We'll be tough, whatever. But when you're hitting a guy in the back of the head from behind. That's the kind of stuff. Press charges and you'll stop it. Yeah. It looked like it was Killian Hayes, number seven. And, and I got to be honest with you. He lucked out because Wagner was, was caught by a couple of players who were in chairs. And if if that had been the middle of the floor and you knock a guy in the back of the head and potentially knock him out and he goes down six feet and hits his face on the floor, that that's risking permanent injury, you know, with with a with a hardwood floor and, and a head. Um, I, I think it's sometimes, you know, you're you're kind of just a uh, part time player, man. The league might use you to make an example. And if you end up. Uh, doing some time for it. I, I, I don't have much sympathy. Yeah, that's rough. A game of the Pistons magic into the night. And again, uh, one of those things you just, that you, uh, you really hate to see. Now, from the uh, ridiculous to the sublime, if you will, Luka Doncic, the Dallas Mavericks star, going where no man had gone before. 60 points, 21 rebounds, 10 assists, and an amazing overtime triple-double. Uh, guys, these are like video game numbers for Doncic. It was it was crazy. I think that now, and, and I don't even know what the number was. Going into this, teams that were down by what what was it? Less than by nine points with less than thirty five seconds to go in history, NBA history were oh and like thirty three thousand <laughs> until this game. I mean, what an amazing comeback! Luca is just, I, I he's just a a freak athletic or, or offensive player. He's a freak offensive player. The dude can. He's so big, so strong. He's so skilled. Just does everything well. It's fun to watch him. Now he doesn't guard anybody. Like I'm, I, he'd score a hundred on me, but I'd get fifty. So I mean, but you know, that's just he's just so good offensively that it's fun to watch him play basketball. Yeah, and and he's one of those players that you hope they can figure out a salary cap way to put some talent around him because he is just an entertaining player that is fun to watch. And in, the further he can go in the playoffs, the better the ratings will be. Um, you know, again, it, these, these modern day players can do just about anything and their skill sets are, are simply amazing when you see them on, on display like that. Another triple double earlier this week was uh, Nikola Jokic of, uh, of the Denver Nuggets uh, went for like 43 points in a triple double. And it was funny, even my wife who enjoys sports, not a junkie, uh, was rooting for the Nuggets because he's diving on the floor. He's 
you know, saving errant passes from going out of bounds. I mean, he, he, he led that Nuggets team that over to overtime win um, over Phoenix. It was a very entertaining game uh, several nights ago. And, uh, but you're right. You got a player like that doing that. Um, it's just fun to watch. And, and even non fans begin uh, to tune in. Okay. So, um, uh, you know, we, we were talking uh, last week about Illinois getting run out of the gym in St. Louis by Missouri. Well, the Tigers just ran Kentucky out of the gym this week. Does it make you feel better? No, but it, I guess it makes, <laughs> it makes more sense now. Right. I mean, you know, I, you know, I think that's, I think Missouri is actually, uh, they're old, you know what I mean? I mean, they're an old team. Uh, Dennis Gates did a great job bringing in some older guys playing a system that fits and, and Kobe Brown's just been the last two games has just been fantastic. I mean, he had 31, um, against Illinois and then he throws up 30 against Kentucky. Um, he just, what a, what a tremendous player. He's basically playing the five and they can, you know, with his strength, even though he's only six, eight, he's able to, they can play that small ball, you know, five that, that really, you know, that Illinois talked about playing that way. And here's that's Missouri's doing exactly that. Yeah. And, and I will tell you, you know, Missouri is in the midst of uh, playing really good defense. And when Illinois plays really good defense, they can pull off these type of wins as well. And it's a great object lesson to the Illini to remember the defense that they played against UCLA and the defense that they played against Texas. It's, it's there. They've just got to reach down and, and bring it out. Meanwhile, NFL, uh, some quarterback news here for the Dolphins. We saw Tua Tungvaloa go down again. Second time in the concussion protocol here uh, this season. Uh, concerns for him in, in the long term? Look, the good thing is you have the protocol, So, but he did continue the game and finish out the game after uh, his head slammed against the, the turf down there in Miami. Um, but this becomes scary. Yeah, you, you eventually start thinking, all right, what's the long-term prognosis for this guy? I mean, how many concussions does it take before you say, I need to stop getting concussions by playing football. I mean, here's the thing. Two is making enough money. If he's smart with his money, he's got enough money to live the rest of his life. And do you want to be a vegetable at the end? I mean, in, in 20 years, or do you want to, I mean, you keep taking these hits, the human body. I think Mike said earlier, human body's only made to take so many hits. And, and that's the truth here too, as well. I'm very concerned about his future. Yeah. And, and look, um, for those fans who are a little bit younger, one of the greatest uh, offensive linemen of all time, Mike Webster for the Steelers, played in the days before CTE was really a thing. And um, his demise was was horrific. And, you know, if, if, if there is a propensity for him to take these type of hits and have negative results, um, you know, maybe maybe being a coach or, or being an announcer might be a, a better path for him to enjoy football and, and maybe please the masses that way. Yeah. Just really concerned. And, and I, my concern still I've voiced on a number of occasions is that of uh, Cam Newton who took uh, so many shots uh, to the head, um, you know, as a, as at one time, the most valuable player in the entire NFL and uh, out of the league right now. And, and I just always, uh, you know, hope for the, the best for him because he's an awful young player to not be playing right now. Somebody with those, uh, those very special gifts. Uh, meanwhile, somebody who is not playing for different reasons uh, out in Las Vegas, uh, Derek Carr, Mr. Sturdy, you're a big Raider fan. Explain to us 
Why is Carr on the bench and basically may not even be with the team in the final two weeks? Yeah, so basically his contract, if he gets injured and he's unable to start the 2023 season, his $33 million guarantee kicks in. So oh. since the Raiders are essentially eliminated from the playoffs, they don't want they, they want to be able to cut him without having that guarantee kick in. And if he gets, let's say he gets a torn ACL, he's not back for the beginning of training camp, his $33 million guarantee would be in place. So um, they just want to make sure he doesn't get hurt so they can release him, basically. I think Derek Carr's quality quarterback. Um, I think he's the least of the Raiders' problems. They get a lot of bigger issues than that. But this is just – it's a business, business maneuver, um, which is kind of, um, you know, obviously isn't what you want to hear when you're talking sports, but that's what it is. How amazing things can change in the uh, NFL from – one season to the next. Um, and Derek Carr is a great example of a guy who had a lot of value, you know, 12 months ago. And now who knows? <laughs> and one other, we were talking comebacks. How about the bowl game, Kansas and Arkansas bowl game the other night, Kansas comes back from, they score 15 points in the final uh, 24 seconds to get to overtime against Arkansas. One of the biggest comeback. I mean, that's Luca. I don't think Luca was on the court for them. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. They're <laughs> on the field. Maybe they had Luca too. So <laughs> he's big enough. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's possible. By, by the way, we are um, going to uh, run some uh, some of our favorite interviews here the rest of this hour as we finish out the year 2022. Bruce Weber, the former Illini coach and. Uh, now the BTN Network game announcer joined us uh, earlier, right before his his first Illinois game, ironically, in early November. We're going to rerun that. Very entertaining to talk to Bruce about the glory days when he was leading the Salini program to uh, the national title game. And then a bit later, Kylie Fletcher, the women's strength and conditioning coach, she revealed something about her day-to-day duties that we did not know. And if you missed that interview, here's a great chance to hear that. We'll talk Illini All-Americans as well. You're listening to the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com. Do you owe the IRS $10,000 or more in back taxes? Are you being audited or investigated? Has the IRS sent you a letter demanding payment? You may not owe what they claim. Make this free call to the tax doctor now. Let them negotiate with the IRS on your behalf. 800-816-4492. 800-816-4492. That's 800-816-4492. Do you know someone with a drug or alcohol problem? Get help right now. Insurance may cover everything. Stop the drug and alcohol nightmare. Are drug and alcohol problems hitting you too close to home? Get help right now. Insurance may cover everything. 877-927-3380. 877-927-3380. That's 877-927-3380. Time for our Game Changers segment presented by OSF Healthcare. And our next guest uh, did things at Illinois that, that no one else has. Bruce Weber, 2005 National Coach of the Year, when he got to the Illini out of their best season ever, 37-2, and two, their only appearance in the National Championship game. And he is now in uh, his first week in his new role as a game color commentator on the Big Ten Network, and that includes working the Illinois-Missouri-Kansas City game Friday night. Coach, 
Welcome to the Sports Spectacular. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. It's good to be always good to talk to LNI people. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I know you're, uh, you know, like you said, right back at home, right? You know, I happen to think that you will be, I didn't catch the, the Purdue game, but I don't think you're going to be great at this, just knowing you and having a chance to, to talk with you, even back to your Purdue days and SIU, we have a lot of conversations. How did this come to pass, uh, joining BTN? Well, after, you know, I decided to retire uh, last spring, a um, couple different people I know in the, you know, different networks called and just kind of talked to me, uh, you know, what are you going to do? Are you interested? Um, and a, a good friend, actually, Steve Shearer, who was with CBS and covered a lot of our games on the way to the Final Four that year, um, you know, he's now with Fox and he called and he said, you know, Big Ten Network really is looking for a coach. Um, they don't have a coach and, you know, as part of their, uh, either their studio or their broadcasting. And, uh, they got a lot of former players and, you know, they're the regular announcers. So, um, we, uh, you know, he just said, would you be interested? So I, you know, kind of started talking with the big 10 people, um, went up and did a rehearsal, uh, you know, I guess a rehearsal slash interview or whatever. And, um, you know, I, I, you know, I thought it, and Megan, my wife, really encouraged it. She just thought, you know, you got to do something. And I went from 340 days a uh, work in 340 days a year, uh, 10 to 12 hour days to all of a sudden now you don't have anything. So a couple days a week, uh, we thought it'd be great. Stay involved with basketball. And I was really excited. They really talked about the studio first. And um, I was excited about that. I've done that. And then they said, hey, would you try some games? And I, a little unsure. Uh, last night was my first one, the Purdue game. and um, But I, I made it through it. I didn't screw up too bad. Uh, I did. I, the only thing I kept forgetting about the talk back, but, you know, you got somebody talking in your ear, and as you know, and, and then uh, somebody's, the, your announcer, Kevin, last night was Kevin Krugler, and, and, you know, he's talking. I'm trying to pay attention to the game, and I, I kept answering the, the guy in my ear and I wasn't supposed to. So, <laughs> but other than that, it, I thought it went okay. And I got much more relaxed. Kevin did a great job. Obviously a veteran does NFL college basketball has done it for years. Um, I, you know, I've, I've worked with Dave Rebson a little bit on, on, in the studio stuff. And, you know, those guys are pros and they set you up and, and they throw you, you know, the slow, easy pitch to, to hit. So it, it makes it easier. So the, what you're really telling us is your wife wanted you out of the house. Uh, right. that, that might be a little bit. I, you know, we're, we're in a we're in a little condo now in St. Louis, and um, it might get you know once in a while get me out so I don't drive her crazy. But uh, we we've been pretty busy. I I did a lot of clinics this uh, fall. Went to some campuses. Some coaches I know had me come in and kind of just you know watch practice, visit with their staff, talk about you know, defense or whatever, different things. And, um, you know, so I, I, I kept busy, uh, you know, which was great, uh, you know, because, again, I, you know, 40, uh, 45 years when you include high school, every year at this time I've been coaching. So uh, just thought it would be, a, you know, something to do. So, so as you uh, kind of get into this, this new, um, this new part of your career, the next stage, right, is yeah. there a – do you have a like? Do you find yourself wanting to like jump in and like coach? <laughs> I mean, like being on the other side, like 
you know, I, I know it's weird. Like, as you know, I always think like, well, I would have done this or I would have done that when I'm watching a game. So I can't imagine if I have to like have like that mental flow sometimes where I'm going, well, he should have done this, you know? And so yeah. it, it, how does that, how do, how, how are you handling that part of it? I think that's going to be a big thing to, and I've talked to, uh, you know, Bill Rafferty, John Beeline did it a little bit with the big 10 network after he was uh, let go by the Cavs and uh, you know, Seth Greenberg, Fran, Fischella, I, I, you know, and they just said, you got to be careful of criticizing the coaches, critiquing, you know, make suggestions, uh, you know, they got to do a better job getting inside, you know, basic things. I think uh, things you watch in practice and, and not overdo it, but, there's no doubt. I, I I tried to call Matt Painter today and tell him some things I needed. They, they needed to improve for the next year. <laughs> yeah, Larry has to do that with Brad and I after every broadcast. He has a whole, he has a whole list of things. And, just, that is true. I think that's that's accurate. So Yeah, we, he basically runs out of pens faster than anybody from writing all this stuff, runs out of ink. What was... Well, you know, when you, when you have one memory of the uh, your tenure as the Fighting Illini coach, you know, what maybe is one of your favorite ones that that doesn't involve the 04, 05 team, but that might surprise somebody? Oh, I don't know. It's it's hard. Obviously, that uh, uh, the the year before, I think it really, you know, we were we were struggling. I, I couldn't get them to buy in. Um, the staff. I mean, we worked at it slowly but surely. Darren was probably the first one that really, I have no idea. And I've talked about that before, but he seemed to latch on and, you know, Luther had his off the court things and I, I went on the limb and helped him out and, you know, received a lot of criticism. You guys probably don't know how many letters and things I got about that, but, you know, then Luther jumped in and then D and then just that you know, it was, if you remember at Wisconsin, um, we're struggling and they're just kicking our butt. I mean, they are just killing us. And Devin Harris is running in our huddle and talking trash. And, uh, you know, we had even had a fan come in the huddle and told me I need to put Nick Smith in and the trombones that were doing the polka. And, and you know, I think that game after that, you know, we just, I, it might've put us two and three in the, in the league. And then we went on a run that uh, obviously one of the best runs in the history, uh, you know, of Illinois basketball, college basketball, you, you, you think about from the, that point through the, the next season. Um, and then, you know, just to uh, the, that year, the same year, then you, you know, it kind of all built up to get to that sweet 16 to beat, since uh beat Cincinnati the way we did uh you know it was it was it was pretty impressive and um you know Duke and I and I think it really set us up to have an understanding of how you can you know advance in the tournament what needs to be done so it you know all that part of setting up is was you know was a lot of fun but there there's a lot of good moments obviously for me it's it's really about the players uh, I you know, working with them, the relationships, that's why I got into coaching. And um, that's what I miss. I miss right now the, you know, the staff meetings, writing up practice, uh, you know, just, and, and then just, you know, dealing with the players. Now I still talk, I would say, you know, I'd probably talk to two players a day, a minimum, sometimes more. And I still talk to all the assistant coaches and now the guys that are head coaches or former players that are coaches and, 
um, you know, that's, it's part of my daily routine. I'm trying, I, I told somebody yesterday, I just, every day you help somebody in some way. And, and, and that, you know, I, I still have it, you know, but it's not like every day you go to the office and you're somebody's, you know, there's an issue, there's a problem that you got to help solve. But that, that kind of, that was what I really enjoyed about coaching and, and working with uh, working with young men and helping them grow. You bring up a great point that 0304 season and you're right when you hit that point from that point in early 04 all the way getting into um uh, early 06 you guys won and this is inaccurate it's it's close something like 63 out of 66 games. I, yes. I mean you you lost to Duke to end the season here and then uh and I think lost to the Big Ten tournament and then of course the two games in 0405 and then you won like the first 14 games the next year. So, I mean, that was a, you're right. One of the most unbelievable runs we've seen the last 20 years um, in, uh, in college basketball. Um, tell us about, you know, the, the game now, I mean, you're, you, you got out right before things kind of got crazy. <laughs> seeing some coaches, you know, Jay Wright was the biggest shocker, Mark Turgeon walking away and some others. Um, how's the game changed now in the very short time since you retired from the bench? Oh, it's, you know, obviously NIL was starting to, you know, become part of college basketball. Uh, the portal, you know, started a year ago. Um, you know, those two things. And, and you know, I, I always say, you know, AAU started and recruiting rules just started. And all there has been a lot of changes. I've seen it all. Three-point shot being put in, extending the three-point line, to, you know, uh, even the shot clock, you know, that. They experimented with uh, with it in the early '80s, and then they added it. And so there's been a lot of things, and you know, Coach Katie with, with AU went in. I remember he like, oh, it's going to kill basketball. Well, it didn't kill basketball, and and you know, it's just part of life the changes. But I, I I'll be honest, I'm 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 a little worried. A lot of coaches I talked to, you know, today I, I've tried. Talk. I, I talked to different coaches, guys that retire because this is a big week. You know, the I did talk to Mark Turgeon today. I talked to Bob McKillop today. I, I you know, I, I tried to connect with Coach Beeline, didn't get a chance. But uh, Kevin Stallings, you know, guys that have been around, and I think we're all worried. Uh, and even Matt Painter, Tom Izzo, guys that I deal with, um, you know, assistant coaches, <laughs> Chris Lowry, guys have been in it. Uh, you know, is you know, is the NIL sustainable? Um, you know, is it, is it going to create issues in locker rooms? Is it going to create issues with fans, boosters that give money and then players don't, um, you know, don't they have great production and now they don't, you know, are they, you know, so there's a lot of questions. We'll have to see what happens. And you, you, you watch these guys grow and that was part of the, the fun to see Darren Williams, you know, get better. And, and, you know, he had a good freshman year, a better sophomore year and a, and a great junior year. So, um, you know, those, that was, I think the fans are going to miss it. And for the players, you know what I really worry about? I talked with uh, Matt Painter about this in length, you know, when players stay at a place for four years, they have somebody to call to go for help. And now if they keep moving, who are they going to call when they need help? Cause they're going to need help. Everyone needs help sometimes. Right. And, um, you know, I, I, one of my guys left K-State the last year and, you know, I, I, I still, I'm not mad at him. I understand, but I, I talked to him the other day and he just said, coach, thank you for reaching out. I just love hearing your voice. And, and he, you know, he needed help and I'm going to help him. But, 
you know, but I, it's, it's harder when they do leave. And, and, you know, I don't think parents, I don't think kids realize that staying at a place, developing, uh, networking, uh, gives you long time lifetime relationships that are going to help you you know hopefully with jobs and whatever when and you can go back to the reunions are you going to have i had a, my sau 20 uh six sweet 16 20th year anniversary and we had a bunch of guys back at, at raising money for siu basketball but you know those guys those guys were talking about it coach we wouldn't be here you know if if the portal was in guys were all moving around Illinois is kind of, you know, when you were there, you, you had some of the, obviously the highest of highs going to the final four. Now you've seen them kind of have a resurgence now. What are, what are your thoughts on where Brad Underwood's taken this program um, uh, since he took over? You know, he's gotten obviously, you know, players help and all players make it better coaches. There's no doubt. And he's been able to get some good players and um, he, I don't think he's, he's not afraid to coach them. I think that's important it's with young coaches. I think right now, I'm worried about a little bit when I go out to some campuses, young guys, you don't have to cuss them out and do this to them and that, but you got to coach them. You know, that's part of, you know, if you're a teacher and and you've done that, if you don't demand something, they're not going to learn. They're not going to get better. So, uh, and improve and you got to, you know, there's got to be discipline and things like that. So, you know, he, he's been able to get players. He's been able to get them to play hard, play together. Um, you know, and, and he's done a great job to win. a You know, anytime you win championships in the Big Ten, it's special because it doesn't happen all the time. You know, one of the questions I had is, is, you know, you started with Coach Katie at uh, uh, Western Kentucky and then you went with him to Purdue and you were there for 18 years. Yeah. And 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 I'm a Southern Illinois grad. So you went to SIU and did a wonderful job there. What made you decide to transition to being a head coach at that point in your career? And then how much did all those years of being, you know, the lead assistant, how much did that help you when you then were, were running the show yourself? Well, I think one, you got to remember when I went to Western Kentucky, first of all, I graduated college. I graduated high school at 17, graduated college at 20. Now you see freshman coming in at 20 <laughs> guys <laughs> playing to 2025 so I was the youngest assistant of Big Ten for quite a while and 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 at that time young guys weren't getting coaching jobs so I'm I'm you know coach Katie Clem Haskins is one assistant Clem the gym if you remember and Ray Hyde who yep. played at North Carolina uh with Phil Ford and that he was the other assistant so you know Clem gets the job Ray decides to stay with Clem because they just had a baby and had a, and built a house. I, you know, and coach just, I'm the grad assistant. He goes, you want to come? I, well, yeah, I'll come to Purdue. So, <laughs> uh, you know, but, um, you know, it was just a, you know, unbelievable opportunity for me. And then to be with him, we won what six big 10 championships. And, you know, I wish we would have got to the final four. We had a few teams. We just never got there, but uh, you know, I was going to be the head coach at Purdue. I mean, it was pretty well, documented or whatever talked about and and then we got a new ad and a new president and they said well you got you know if you're going to get this job you got to improve yourself as a head coach well you know coach katie said you better get your butt out there and be get a head coaching job and and the southern job just happened to fall in place and um and then the funny thing is and i talked with some Purdue people yesterday yet that when i was there that know it 
you know, every year they asked me to come back and I just, I wasn't going to be the guy to push coach Katie out. Um, you know, that he, he, he's, you know, beside my dad, mom, you know, probably, you know, most of influential person in my life. And I, I'd meet with coach at the final four. I say, are you ready? And I knew he wasn't ready to retire. He didn't really want to retire when he did, but, um, you know, and so I had to, I, I went to Southern and then, you know, and a lot of people don't even know this, just a few, even when I was at Illinois, they still called me and said, we well, want to come, come to Purdue. And I, I, you know, at that time I was too invested obviously in Illinois and, and even at Southern, we just, I said, I just, you made me move. I moved my family. We got a really good team coming up and I, and I enjoy being a head coach and I uh, didn't want to, you know, be the one that kind of, you know, why you moving coach out. And then obviously when coach, they made the decision that he was going to retire, um, you know, we worked it out where Matt became the, you know, coach in waiting. Uh, and, 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 you know, it's just amazing what Matt has done at Purdue, you know, the, what fourth leading wins in the history of the big 10 now, uh, fourth or fifth, whatever it is behind coach Katie, coach Knight, and Tom Izzo, I think. And so, you know, it ended up being a really good story for him. Um, Coach uh, Bruce Weber here again. He's now an analyst, uh, game analyst with the Big Ten Network, um, doing the game uh, Friday night in Illinois at Illinois. And then we'll talk to him again later on. And uh, you make sure you catch his uh, talents uh, on your tube or streaming, however you do that. Uh, this segment presented by OSF Healthcare. Stay with us. You're listening to the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com. Slow down, they say. You're getting older. Relax. Seriously, you're on a mission. You've got places to go grandkids to see. At OSF Healthcare, we want you to be the best you possible, whoever you are, wherever you're going, whatever your mission is. We're here to support it because that's our mission. Your life, our mission. Learn more at osfhealthcare.org slash your way. You're listening to the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com on the Illini Guys Radio Network. Now, let's get back to the studio. Larry Smith, Mike Kangley, Brad Sturdy here on the Illini Guys Radio Network. Let's take a moment and recognize the legendary Devin Witherspoon. And I, I call him a legend because he's been named to the first team on four of the five official All-America teams. He's the 21st Illini to achieve that, and as a result, He'll have a plaque mounted in Grange Grove, a banner in the Great West Hall in Memorial Stadium, and a jersey hung in the Smith Center. What a career for the defensive back, Devin Witherspoon. Yeah, an, an, a no-star guy out of high school who becomes a first-team consensus All-American. Um, it's just really crazy. when you think, and, and even look back at the start of this year, I mean, I think people thought he'd be solid. I don't think anybody realized what they, what Illinois had in Devin Witherspoon preseason, like how good, because now he's looked at like a first or second round draft pick too. So this is a guy looking at the next level and, you know, obviously getting all these accolades, but he's got a great future in the NFL as well. There's no question about that. And when you look at um, just, you know, the, the defensive backs, as we, as we talk about as Ryan Walters leaving, can they continue that tutelage? You look what Kirby Joseph did last year and ended up being a third round pick and uh, what an impact he had on this uh, Detroit Lions team as a rookie um, Witherspoon being projected as a first rounder, late first round. Um, and to your point, for somebody who came out of high school uh, with not the 
the, the biggest of honors or biggest of, uh, of respect in terms of uh, his recruiting evaluation. What a turnaround. What a, what a, what a job he's done with the hard work to work himself into this position. Yeah. Very impressive. And I, and I think that just shows you, you know, the, the, the you know, Brett Bielema's program and what they're able to, what they've done here um, to just to bring this to this level. I mean, it's kind of shocking when you see all these all American lists because who expected that? I mean, you, you didn't expect to have all these guys making all Americans. You didn't expect a guy like Devin Witherspoon to be a consensus first team all American. I got to call out. I think it was sporting news that didn't have him on any team. Right. <laughs> how, how like everybody else has him on first team or second team. Eh, we didn't have him at all. We, we it's like they forgot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. That guy. I'm, yeah. I meant to put him in, but now we've already, oh, my bad. My yeah, bad. I forgot about that. Exactly. Uh, several other players. We should mention, by the way, he's the first consensus all America since uh, I believe Whitney merciless in 2011. Um, that's just how, uh, how impressive that is. Uh, several other players making multiple all America teams, chase Brown, uh, the running back kind of got blocked out of a lot of most first teams by uh, Blake Corm at Michigan, a little unfortunate, but what a great career for chase. No, listen, uh, second team all Americans, nothing to sneeze at. So, Chase for yeah. NFL money. Um, Alex Polcheski, uh, Johnny Newton, uh, Chase's twin brother, Sidney Brown. Happy to see him uh, as a defensive back getting some national notice as well. Yeah, those guys. I mean, and this is what happens. And you, you go back when when your team wins, you get the accolades. I would assume in basketball, first team all American, Kofi Coburn, first team all American. Wouldn't have happened if they weren't winning. You know, you go back when. You know, I think it was uh, Illinois had D Brown, Darren Williams, Luther head. They won. So they made all American teams. And so now you've got, you know, you're winning enough that you, these guys get noticed if they were going, you know, if they're four and eight, they aren't having five guys on the all American team. Right. So this is what, you know, winning, you know, kind of gets you these individual accolades, but you got to win games to get there. And, and I think too, that you, Illinois for the first time in a long time had some games on national TV. I mean, you know, you were on, you know, ESPN a few times, you were on ABC a couple of times and nothing against being on, on BTN or on a, a game that's streaming. Um, that means something because it, what it means is that the nation doesn't have to find you. Um, they don't have to go. They're not going to seek you out. Um, they're changing the channel and you pop up. Um, you were ranked for a few weeks. That means your highlights are shown more on the different, uh, the various shows and halftime shows, that kind of thing. So the things you're doing, um, you know, become more mainstream. Um, and I mentioned, you know, Chase Brown. Well, Blake Corum is the Michigan running back. So he got all the preseason hype and the attention. Chase had to earn his every week and was always behind uh, Corum in name recognition. Um, it's just kind of the way it is. But I think it's, um, to your point, it's just fantastic. And what a great recruiting tool to take all these names out there. It was not just one position. You can say, we've got a running back. We've got two defensive backs. We've got a defensive lineman. We have an offensive lineman uh, that all went out and, and, um, and were among the best in the nation because they're part of this program and they were able to, able to develop their skills uh, within our program. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I think this is, this is what Illinois can sell. And not just in the high school ranks, but in this transfer portal, because you can say, look, Hey, you were, oh, you were fine. You were good, but now you're going to come here. Look what we get. Look what we're able to do with these guys. We're going to get them. You know, we get them noticed. So. And that's another thing too. Illinois finishing the season eight and four, the team accolades, uh, fantastic. And again, eight and four, and that's on the low side, 
the potential was you could have been much better than that. And, and everyone, uh-huh. you know, from the top all the way down, they admit this was really, um, you know, more of like a 10 win team. Um, and you've got that now the individual accolades again, as you said, and by the way, a big shout out to Palco as well. The first Illinois offensive lineman in the modern era to be a first team uh, All-America. And I believe uh, also you could say, I think it was three of the five, I think consensus All-America. Um, the last time you had an Illinois lineman who did that um, was way back when they played two way, you know, a hundred years ago. So um, not only that comes back for a six season, sets all kinds of records and, uh, and caps off with an All-American season. So great job uh, there for Palco. Kedrick Prince is on the way, breaking in that new lasso as he grabs some recruiting news. That's coming up next here on the Sports Spectacular. A tradition of excellence over 150 years in the making. At Busey Bank, we're committed to building relationships that span generations. Wherever your journey in life leads you, we are with you along the way, creating a legacy for you and your family. Busey Bank, building business, growing wealth since 1868, proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini, member FDIC. Do you know someone with a drug or alcohol problem? Get help right now. Insurance may cover everything. Stop the drug and alcohol nightmare. Are drug and alcohol problems hitting you too close to home? Get help right now. Insurance may cover everything. 877-927-3380. 877-927-3380. That's 877-927-3380. We want to bring in someone that we've actually been trying to, to um, work out our schedules uh, to get her on the show. Um, we hear so much about her. We're like, okay, we're intrigued. Let's learn more about Kylie Fletcher. She is the women's basketball strength and conditioning coach at the University of Illinois. Um, coach, welcome. And by the way, congratulations um, on this great start. It's been so much fun, uh, not just to watch you guys, but also get to know uh, some of the newer members of the staff and, and the new players. It's really an exciting time for the program. It is. Yes. Thank you for, for having me. I, I'm glad the schedule's finally, finally worked out and we could, uh, we could chat. So it's really interesting. Um, we had an opportunity in the media to look, uh, to look at the new facility and yes. the, the training, the training is phenomenal. Yes. Can you can you put a couple things into perspective for me? First one is is just overall, you know, what feedback did did you have in terms of the selection of of what was you know actually put in there? And then the second thing is, what type of advantage will this provide for the women's program because of the cutting edge technology that you had a part yeah. of getting in here? Yeah, we really had um, Fletchy and I both had a big a big say in, in what went in the room. Obviously, we're in there day in and day out, so we needed it to make sense, you know, for everything that we uh, did from a training standpoint. So we had a lot of say um, with everything that went in there. We wanted obviously a great deal of of open space, um, and obviously we got that from you know the old oven to what we have now is is phenomenal. Um, but yeah, to to us, we had the one of the, the top uh, basketball facility um, in the country as far as space, um, as far as all of the technology um, that we have, the recovery space that we're in the works. Um, so the spring floor that we have, it's a big, it's a big hit. Um, 
that we have in there. I don't know that any other facility has that in the country. We're able to do a lot of our, you know, warm up plyometrics on that. It's obviously a lot easier on your, on your joints. And uh, it's a little bit of fun as well, yeah. which is always a, always a plus. That got me teased because when I bounced on it, one of the DIA guys go, hey, hey, bud, it's not made for that weight load. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, so a big, like... that's a big hit. So far, um, that's been the, the main hit, as well as that full wall of of windows, all of that natural yeah. light that comes in. Um, I've never had a window in any of the weight rooms I've ever ever worked in. So that's uh, some little things in life, right? Some windows. It's been, uh, it's, it's, it's great. It's an awesome facility. And and your offices are at opposite ends of the facility. Now, is that so that, uh, you know, at home you can talk to one another and then at work <laughs> you don't have to? <laughs> yeah, right. I know. Uh, actually, it's funny that you say that we've we've shared a, an office, you know, since yeah. we've we've worked at Illinois. So to have separate offices um, is has been a nice a nice change. <laughs> um, but obviously it's. Obviously, you know how the the building is set up with him being on the men's side and me being on the women's side. It's it's nice to have our our own space. And and for those listening who who don't know, if you didn't pick up on the last name, <laughs> Kylie's husband is Adam Fletcher or Fletch, who was on the show a few yes. weeks ago. He is the men's basketball strength and conditioning coach. Um, you know, but it, that is an interesting dynamic, I, I'm sure. In terms of, um, I'm sure you probably met in the gym right how did how did you guys meet how did this love affair yeah we met we um we worked together um at Towson uh for a bit before he got the job at at Illinois and um I actually when he got the job at Illinois I actually took his job at Towson um for a bit and it's one of those you know the old cliche you know your friends first and it becomes something more so he got the job here at Illinois um for a bit and then we just stayed in contact and here we are, here we are now. So married and with a, with a two-year-old daughter. So, and obviously with, we're very fortunate to be able to work together and it's been, uh, it's been awesome. It, it's awesome to um, hear the players talk about both of you, but I really want to focus on, on you. Um, as you know, Adalia is, we call her the Illini gal. She's been on the show now um, since, uh, since February. And she's just such a great um, piece, her personality and her charm. Yes. Yes, such a yes. Big part of our show. We get excited when it's time to have Adalia on. Yes, she's phenomenal. Yeah, she she just raves about you. What is that like? I'm sure that at the same time, um, I think it's a great gift for Illinois that the two of you can bring your talent and expertise. Um, and I'm sure, again, it's a labor of love where um, you can talk about this, not just at work, but in this case, also at home. And that strengthens both programs. Absolutely. Um, we do that, obviously, pretty frequently, um, you know, whether it's, just talking about the team in general or from a programming, um, you know, conditioning standpoint, um, you know, I don't probably most people don't really know, uh, but I, I've I've helped with the men's, you know, conditioning program probably the past three years now. So making that transition with coach uh, Green and her wanting to go more up tempo and play fast, that was a an easy, you know, easy component because, you know, I've been helping out with the with the men's side. So. Um, you know, we definitely talk about it a lot, um, you know, as far as, as everything goes, conditioning, uh, you know, how the team is doing, uh, you know, the relationships, obviously you build with the players. So yeah, it's a, it's a frequent conversation in the, in the Fletcher household. (laughs) Well, and, and looking at your resume, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, but you know, some, some sports fans get a little cavemanish and I'm looking at your thing and you, you have worked not just with, you know, 
women's teams. You've worked with men's teams as well. Um, is yeah. there is there a difference, you know, when you're having to deal with a male athlete versus a female athlete, or is it pretty much you treat I, the same way? Yeah, and I treat from a, from a programming standpoint. You definitely, um, to me, it's it's definitely it's definitely the same. I think the biggest thing, um, you know, with men's teams is, is your confidence and your assertiveness, I think plays a big part. You know, you never know how they're going to respond to a female telling you to, to do something. I've been fortunate that all of the men's teams that I've worked with have responded well to me and, um, you know, trust what I do and what I have to say. So I've definitely been fortunate in that regard. Um, but yeah, I think the biggest, the biggest piece isn't really the, the training piece. It's more so the, you know, relationship aspect of it and making sure that you're assertive, um, you know, have that confidence you can control the room. Um, I think is probably the the biggest difference. Interesting. You know, my, I had two trainers when I lived in DC and one was a former soccer player at Towson. Um, and she was fantastic. And then there was a guy I worked with as well. And I loved them both the same. I mean, they both were fantastic and she yeah. did he and he was more, was more strength and, and it was a great mix. And uh, I wish I could get that back. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I live in DC anymore. Well, Larry, yeah. Larry, most of us don't have one trainer, let alone two. Well, two. <laughs> unique situation. And that's uh, yeah, another time. Nobody cares about you're that. lucky. Brad's not on the show <laughs> right well, now. He would, he would, Brad taking this thing off. He would, he would light me up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, let's talk about this year's team coach and, and just the, the the difference in this, and again, we're always very careful that that we're we're, we're not trying to um, you know in any way minimize what previous uh, coaches have done. Yeah. Um, but yeah. it, there is a fresh energy here, and it seems that the the players are in, and even the fans and the the community are really responding to what's happening right now in the early stages of uh, of Coach Green's program. Yeah, Coach Green has been uh, phenomenal. Um, you know, she's a, a great leader. She brings a great energy, competitiveness. Um, and I think the community, obviously, our players have really bought into everything that that she um, has said and, and talked about. So um, it's been it's been great. She's awesome to work for. I'm you know thankful that she's you know continued to give me the opportunity to work with the team. And um, it's been it's been great. It's been a, a fun change. And obviously, you know, the community can can see the fans have I've heard nothing but you know, awesome things. They say, you know, the girls look great, which is always, always nice to be able to to hear from, from someone else. So when you're sitting on the bench, you know, you got the basketball coaches, you know, they're worried about execution and they're worried about what the team is doing from a, from a strength and conditioning coach. And you're sitting there watching the game. Yeah. How does that perspective change? What are you looking for? I mean, obviously, you want the Illini to win. You want them to do of well. Course, of but course, but what yeah. are, what's what's going through your mind from your different perspective? I think the main thing, you know, that I I'm really focused on, especially with Coach Green, is you know making sure that we're in great shape. You know, she wants to play up tempo, so making sure that those girls can play, you know, a strong three to five minute stretch, and they're not, you know, losing. Um, any of that. So I think that's the main thing um, for me, as well as, you know, I'm looking to see how our girls are, are moving, you know, do we, what can specific girls um, work on? Have they improved with some of the things that we have tried to work on? Um, you know, Brent Chupil, you know, a big focus with her this off season was her lateral quickness on, on defense. And, um, you know, coaches said that she's made big strides and obviously, 
I, I, I value her opinion, obviously, right? So um, it's been great to, to hear that those things have, have transferred to what we've done in the offseason, and, and she's seeing that uh, on the court now. I'm curious how, and this is a, not just directed to you, but you and Fletch uh, as as a unit, um, how parenthood has has changed things for you um, with one, I think with with coaches overall, it is just yeah, right? you put so much time in and you, and you have so many demands on your time um, that parenthood with it, with all of us, it always changes things, but certainly for you guys, it's it's unique. How has that changed your approach and 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 life and and everything? Yeah, what a great question. Um, a, a multitude of things, obviously. Um, you know, Fletch's I, Fletch and I's communication was already at a pretty high level, but now it has to be, you know, even more so with, you know, we have different practice schedules. He's in the morning, I'm in the afternoon. You know, who's going to get Maddie from daycare? Um, so communication has to be at a at a very elite uh, level for us, um, as well as, you know, I think it's important from a recruiting standpoint, um, you know, I always share that I have a daughter and that, you know, I'm going to treat their daughter just as I would want a coach, you know, to treat mine, um, you know, with as far as love and accountability and, you know, trying to get them to reach their their potential. Um, so I know that I've hit on that from a recruiting standpoint um, and also very thankful for for grandparents that are willing to travel. And, you know, for instance, um, you know, there's been plenty of times that, you know, Fletch and I are both on the road. Um, and obviously Maddie cannot stay by herself as a, a two-year-old at home. So very fortunate for grandparents, Oops. <laughs> you know, yeah, very fortunate for grandparents that are, you know, able to travel, um, and spend time with her while we're both, uh, both on the road. Yeah. That, that, that was going to be my next question is how you manage that. I, in the sales world, I was gone 200 nights a year, but my wife's job didn't require travel. Right. So we yeah. didn't, she just got all the responsibility and then I just left, you know, and didn't really pay attention. <laughs> um, how did you, when, when you were, you know, working, um, you know, to get your uh, exercise science degree mm-hmm. yep. was, did you have in mind a clear vision of what you wanted to do with your future? I did if, not. So how did you, how did you decide this was where you wanted to be? Uh, you, you know, I really always, um, obviously love sports, um, growing up. And, um, I tell the story that I really got into strength and conditioning because I was a decent, pretty good basketball player. Um, and I was just really small, um, and didn't know anything about lifting weights or that there was even a strength coach that that was even, um, a thing. So I like to say that, you know, I, I'm a strength coach now because I don't want anyone to ever have to go through that spot where, yeah, they could probably like, play, but from a physical standpoint, the demands, I just wasn't, I wasn't cut out for it. So, um, I figured out that there was actually a profession that you could do lifting and exercising and work with athletics. I'm like, this is a, this is a dream job. Um, as well as I was very fortunate to, like you said, work with a variety of sports, which I really enjoyed working with, you know, the different, uh, sports that I was able to work with. And now, obviously to be able to to work with your husband and and basketball is definitely my first love so it's it's been an absolute uh blessing to be able to to do it well it's a thrill to have you as part of the staff it's a real treat for us like i said to get a chance to know you a little bit better and um hearing all the stories from medallia and, and the coaching staff and and again talking to fletch a few weeks ago and and uh, yeah uh, so yeah, we're excited that uh you've got this team ready to get into big 10 play this weekend with the game at indiana and uh and moving forward 
Um, we appreciate your time and hopefully you'll, you'll come by again uh, later on and talk with us some more. Absolutely. Thank you guys. I really, I really appreciate it. I enjoyed it. All right. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Kylie Fletcher. She's the strength and conditioning coach for the women's basketball team and also the men's team at Illinois. Let's make sure uh, folks give her her props. This Diana. has been a presentation of LMBC Sports LLC and JM Talent Productions. We'll be back next week on the Illini Guys Radio Network on these same stations across Illinois.